Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer, your podcast host, and it's my job here each week to help you demystify the legal complexities of apartment living. My guest this week is Brendan Cleaver. Brendan is the director of Cleaver Strata Consulting based in Sydney. Alongside his wife and business manager, Serena Cleaver, they share over 30 years experience serving the property, strata and legal services industries. Initially positioned to provide professional strata consulting and reporting services to prospective property purchasers, they also provide project-specific setup advice to off-the-plan purchasers, property developers, builders and strata managers throughout New South Wales and Queensland. Brendan and his team are currently presiding over the setup of more than 1,500 strata lots for a wide range of developer projects, including the first DA-approved apartment complex of 82 units in Sydney's new Aerotropolis, due to commence construction this year. I really enjoyed this chat with Brendan, and in our short time together, we covered a lot. Strata inspection reports, matching property developers to the right strata manager for the job, and why cutting ties with an underperforming strata manager doesn't have to be the painful process it sometimes turns out to be. Lots here for everyone. I'll take you over right now to my chat with Brendan Cleaver. Brendan Cleaver, welcome to the show. Thank you, Amanda. Nice to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here with us. And I've been looking forward to this chat. Yours is a name that I have seen floating around for a little while now on my social feeds. And I'm even hearing from my clients now that have been working with you and have been very happy with your services. So I thought it was about time to bring you here onto the show and ask you just what it is that Cleaver Strata Consulting is doing. What do you do and who do you serve, Brendan? Thanks, Amanda. Um, we're an independent strata consultancy firm based in Sydney. And we've been around the industry for about 20 plus years now. And uh, our main clientele that we service are um, strata property purchasers, strata committees and developers of new strata apartments. So that is a wide range. And let's talk about purchases first. What is it that you're doing for strata purchases? Okay, so predominantly uh, when the business commenced, uh, we were purely a strata inspection firm. That's how we started in into our foray into the strata management industry and crossover, I was a guest to the legal industry as well. And um, providing detailed due diligence or strata reports for anybody buying a property uh, that falls under the strata regulations, um, investors, mum and dads, downsizers, anybody that's looking to buy strata apartment, obviously, as you know. From what I've seen on your previous podcast, yeah, that it's an important thing to get to get done, and not a lot of people I've found have looked at the stats over the years. The stats used to be like about forty or fifty percent of people that buy a strata apartment get a strata report. So yeah, there's a bit of education that needed to be done, and I guess I'd like to have seen myself as a bit of a, an industry voice, an advocate for not only just the property purchases, but communication between strata inspectors and the strata managers and the licensees to 
help them understand exactly what it is that we need to see to convey the correct transposition of information to the person that's buying the property that gets our report and allowing them to have a bit of a snapshot into how the building operates and how well it's funded and all the things that go into a strata report. Mm. And we'll get into your work with developers and strata committees as well. But first up, tell me a little bit about your background. How did you come to be producing strata inspection reports, working in the strata space? Give me a bit of background. A little bit by default into strata, which at first was a little bit scary because I knew absolutely nothing about strata because originally I came from a financial advisory background, working with a couple of large fund managers, helping train financial advisors and and financial planning software and product training and things like that. And um, my family ran a a very big law stationery business uh, in Sydney back under the old school regime of affectations and paper versions of certificate of titles and uh, physical property settlements in in the city and things like that. And they ran a strata inspection um, of their business that had been quite successful. My uncle started and he just simply gave me the opportunity to learn something new. And he said, you get to meet lots of people. And he had in the back of his mind, I think eventually he saw a bit of writing on the wall with the automisation of law stationery, um, which happened probably 10, 15 years ago, maybe a little bit more. And he knew he was going to sell the business. So I guess he just gave him the opportunity to sink my teeth into Strata and learning as much as I could. And built up a lot of contacts within the industry, you know, built up a lot of good rapport and trust with Strata managers because the Strata inspection process, it's not just looking at the records. It's partially having a good rapport with the Strata management companies and, and even though the, the Act says that they're obviously not required to tell us things mm. uh, that are not in the records, I think a, a certain level of respect and communication and camaraderie and trust between those parties does help Mm. because without being derogatory of the industry I've had many many occasions where things are going on in buildings which you just don't see in the record so yep you know a quick knock on the door or an email if you're in the office or now probably over the phone because they know us you know hey we've just done a strata inspection in your building looks like there's an EGM coming up can I possibly get a copy of that agenda because it wasn't in the records and you know, you might find a $250,000 special levy that you wouldn't have found if you don't have that ability and aptitude of communication with in relationship with the strata managers. So mm. that's what I built up initially. And you are spot on there. I've definitely had that experience as well, going in looking at books and records. A, I often come in with a big stick in that I'm the lawyer acting for an unhappy owner. So uh, I've been in many offices where I think, in the back room, there's a flurry of activity when I come in and the word gets around that I'm doing a strata inspection and, and documents start gradually flowing in to the little meeting room where I'm sitting. Oh, it shouldn't be that way. It really shouldn't be that way. Some purchasers are doing their own inspections, as we know, and what is happening in the building should be on the record and not all strata inspectors, even those who are paid to do that job, professionals are in the same position as you or as I to be able to make those inquiries and get those answers. So that's really concerning. Yeah, I agree. And I think that a lot of it I see is is that actually about helping the industry too. I don't sort of go in and, and beat strata managers over the head and say, listen, I want this. I think they know our business and, and the people that work for us. We've got a couple of strata people that work within our organisation too. And if we ask a question that comes from our organisation, usually it's a fair question. Mm. It's not a silly thing like, are there any defects in this building? You know, I mean, you can usually work that out by reading some minutes or 
hopefully opening a defects file and finding something in there. Yeah. Um, but I see it more of a assisting the industry to be to be better and more efficient. So yep. the end users of that strata report is the property purchaser being the new strata owner that becomes the customer of the strata manager. And this is one of my biggest bugbears that some strata companies, and not necessarily all the big ones, some of the newer companies often not understanding that correlation between the process it has to follow and lack of communication can really be a poor start to that relationship with that new client. Yes. And you say you don't beat strata managers over the head. That's fine. You can leave that to me. That's what I do. (laughs) Sure. And you've mentioned there with your uncle giving you the opportunity to focus more on strata that it was the opportunity to learn something new. And I have to say, when you're in this space, you are learning something new every day. And that's part of the reason I love it. So that um, resonates with me too. There's a lot to learn in strata. I mean, it's one of those unique industries. And I often say this to a lot of young trainee strata managers or people that get to me that know me and see people talking to me. Obviously, this guy knows a little bit. And I say, look, this is a really great job for you. You may see it as a bit of a pain at the moment because it's so laborious and you're doing a lot of paperwork and you have to know about everything. But it's one of those unique jobs in industries that covers a far-ranging amount of areas. And, and it's testament when we do a strata report now, we're not just telling them whether there's money in the bank and there's a special levy. We're covering all levels of compliance within a report, whether it's cladding, the WHNS, Capital Works Fund reports, asbestos reports, the whole gamut of compliance has just made the whole process a lot more complex. But I think, yeah, like skilled strata managers now and experienced strata managers, I think if they gain that experience, that could be a really great asset to the industry too. Mm, definitely. Tell me about the work you're doing with developers. Yeah, predominantly uh, I guess it sort of started to fall a little bit hand in hand with with some of the, the transition work that I've done, a little bit of work I've done with various lawyers over the years because what I was seeing a lot of my lawyer clients awarding strata ports for me spoke to me and identified pretty quickly that I knew a fair bit about strata and a few of them came to me and said Look, we've got a few developer clients that they're just not getting a lot of help from the strata manager who they decide to appoint at registration or you know close to the registration of the scheme we're not getting a lot of input into whether the budgets are actually going to be accurate for the new building whether the bylaws are appropriate, whether the right structures are in the building, if it's, say, for example, going to be an embedded energy building or embedded internet or non-embedded, whether all those things have been planned out and and taken into consideration. So I thought with all my experience, I knew started to get to know a few developers and a few of them basically made it pretty clear to me that they would benefit by having somebody working on their development team that not only knew Strata and knew about the process of setting up new developments, but also has a good relationship with the industry that could help them to effectively match their developments with the right strata managers per project. Mm. And, and I think over the years we've seen a lot of companies, with all due respect to some of the people that I know uh, high up in the chain strata that, that know my opinions on this, but I see a lot of developers just churning the same buildings out to the same strata managers year after year. And I think sometimes it's just because there's a relationship there and it's not always about really detailed consultancy being involved in the setup, even though some companies may offer that through their BDMs and people that do those roles. But I just started to realise that there wasn't a lot of thought put into the planning. The surveyor drafted the strata plan, he gets a final strata plan registered and then, oh heck, we've got to find a strata manager to manage this building. 
and they may not have even worked out a budget for pre-sales to tell people what the levies are going to be. It's just a guesstimate that the agent comes up with. So I started to put a lot of the time into how I developed that model and, and it's an end-to-end process that we offer to developers to help them from as early as DA approval right through to appointing a builder and CC plans and completing construction, OC through to registration and the inaugural and first AGMs. So we, we sort of work right through the handover. And in a way, I don't think we're really, we're not taking business out of the industry. We're actually regenerating that work back into the industry, but maybe shifting it away from the way that developers have always done things. I think because it's easy for them to just keep using the same company Yep. in a lot of cases. So just to fill in some of our listeners who might not be familiar with that process of setting up a brand new strata plan, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, Brendan, but as I understand it, in a lot of cases, the developer is consulting with a, a strata manager quite early on before that manager's appointment is even required, legally able to happen, and that happens at a, a first AGM. And the strata manager provides guidance, provides templates, points the developer in the right direction when it comes to bylaws, reminds them what their legal obligations are under the Strata Schemes Management Act and helps them out very often for no fee in the expectation that they will be the strata manager proposed at that first AGM to be appointed by the building for the first 12 months, 12 months being the limit of an appointment at a first AGM. Is that what you see on the ground and what you're really looking to disrupt with what you're doing? Yeah, I, I guess there is a little bit of that disruption aspect to it. But, you know, I've tried not to be a troublemaker in the industry over the years. I try and have really good relationships with the, the right people in the industry and, and communicate my model, my business model pretty clearly. I think the, the top licensees of, of a number of companies that work within our panel and sometimes just on the periphery of our panel understand that. And I think... What I've seen is because the expectation that they do all that work for nothing, that the strata management company or the licensee leans on the developer and says, look, we're going to do a hell of a lot of work for you. You know, we're going to need your next thousand lots, guys. You know, so I'm not saying that's the way it is in all cases, but I think I've proven through working with some of my clients have 35, 40 developments going on around the country. And one of my biggest clients has at the moment, and a few of them have varying levels of size of lots from 10 to a couple of hundred. Most of these developments end up passing through the hands of of a varying different range of strata management companies. Mm. So we're not replicating the same thing. I guess I have put a fair bit of time and research into working out who the best operators are in the development side for new schemes. And I think I've got a pretty good team together in that respect, but I'm always open to extending that if if I see the right environment there to do that. So are you really doing a tender process for the first AGM? So going to first AGM, you've got options there for the owners to choose from and perhaps a preferred option. It's not just the strata manager the developer puts on the agenda. It can be that way. It depends on, I guess, the developer. If they want to consult us for all the assisting with all the early preparation of things like bylaws, calculation of unit entitlements, even surveying them, and we've got a whole range of early engagement professionals that work within our team. There are some of our referral partners too. That's the way that part of the industry works. Early engagements is always a good thing to help with the early planning. But I think that um, most of the the strata managers that end up getting these buildings tend to be 
a little bit more thankful that there's a bit more of a thorough process going into the the appointment rather than just a gift or you know your mate's yeah. uncle's the strata manager of the developer's second cousin and that's how we got the building yeah and i'm sure the confidence of the owners who as you say ultimately at the end of the day they're the client they're the one in 12 months time we've got to vote to renew your contract then they're the ones you want to keep happy and they're going to have a lot more confidence if they know that that's the process that's been applied they only get a one-year gig so it's not a lot of time for that strata company to put a lot of work in and and muck it up and, and lose it to somebody else. So I think we've proven through a number of recent developments that we've worked on that have, you know, reached past their first AGM that the retention level is good. Mm. And I think that consultation mm. process and and I will attend the first AGM on behalf of the developer. So I'll introduce myself as the consultant on behalf of the developer. And if there's anything that the developer needs to communicate, whether it may be things like embedded networks or EV charging stations or stormwater systems, any of the things that the developer puts in they'd like to communicate, then I can represent the developer and then introduce the strata manager or the candidates to a vote at that meeting. So it becomes a little bit more impartial. And you speak strata, so that's helpful. A lot of developers don't speak strata. Yeah. <laughs> and I think some strata managers, what I see when they attend at first AGM sometimes, they tend to sometimes treat people like, they're idiots and they don't really know much and, and some of them may not know a lot, but I think just the persona and the communication and, and the, the rhetoric that occurs sometimes is not always helpful. So I think sometimes somebody else represents the developer. It's not the big old developer sitting there saying, this is what I've built. You know, you bought one of my units and good mm. luck and here's your strata manager. We have proven to show that it provides a more professional flow with the handover and and is more receptive to the new owners of the building. So Yeah, that's a really good point you make. We should bear in mind that when apartments are purchased off the plan, depending on the nature of the building, where it is, how expensive the apartments are, you may find you've got a particularly high proportion of first homeowners. And if not first homeowners, then first apartment dwellers. So a lot of people who've never owned in Strata before. And I know with some new buildings I work with, that's often at the heart of the difficulties in the first year is that people just don't understand what they're getting into and coming up against a strata manager who isn't able to communicate on their wavelength because they're so busy, they've got plenty of buildings to deal with, they find it hard to empathise perhaps with the situation of the new homeowner. A person like you coming in who communicates with exactly those people day in, day out having those special skills can be a real asset. So I can really see where you slot in there. Thanks, Amanda. I think too that it's often the, the licensee of the big cheese in the strata company that represents us first AGM. It's not always going to yes. be the young strata manager, maybe a couple of years experience who's going to take over that, mm. maybe at the building, but doesn't really have that chance to build the rapport early on. I think the focus on that is obviously so that licensee gets the deal done and make sure that everybody votes in favour of that motion to appoint, which I understand is part of the process that has to happen. And I'm not against that happening. I'm just providing a different way of doing things. And I see it as an education process to help educate the developer to be have a better projects with the industry. And even things like early defects reporting and processes, we can help with that to avoid, you know, litigation issues occurring sometimes. It can always occur, but having really good early processes in place to, to hand over to the strata manager. And the developers are aware of that very early on so they know 
They're not just going to ignore people when they start reporting defects a couple of months in. They're going to expect it. Yes, that is a good thing. Now, you also, Brendan, work with strata committees. I understand that's particularly in this process of changing strata managers, finding a better fit for the building. I've called it a tender process earlier in our chat. Can you share with us how that works in your business? Yeah, sure, Amanda. I mean, this is definitely something I've been really passionate about for many years too. And I think that there's, again, I think there's been a real lack of independent operators in this space helping people to make choice because there's, I think, New South Wales alone, it's around about 300 strata companies, I think, somewhere around that. I'd love to know where you get that data from because I, it's hard to find. You're probably right, yeah, but it is hard to find. That's the thing I heard bandied around a couple of years ago, and I just know from my travels, I've seen a lot of new companies and people leaving existing companies starting their own business. So I think it could be more than that. And there's a lot that you'll never hear of as well mm. because they run out of real estate offices or out the back of chip shops or something like that. But, yeah, look, I, I think I saw a company set up a model quite a few years ago that was just based on a referral type of structure and it was a very limited panel of strata managers that they had options to. And I thought, well, look, if committees are open to really be vested in making a change, if they've reached that point of realising they need to change strata managers, the committee is generally the the conduit to, to making that occur in most cases. I think it's proven to, to show that if they're invested in that, they really want to talk to somebody and what I do initially is basically have an initial meeting with the strata committee to find out about the building and the history, where they've been, who's their past strata managers, you know, a common thing that comes up, you know, we've had five strata managers in the last couple of years because, you know, they keep leaving. Yeah, in terms of the staff in the company keep turning the over. Staff in the company yeah. may not necessarily be a, a negative on, on the operation itself, but change of hands of strata managers is a big thing often that I hear very early on. So we just help, we take the time to understand the bad experiences they've had and find out exactly what it is that they're after and what their needs are moving forward for what style of management that they want, uh, the length of the contract. There's obviously varying types of strata management proposals that get put out there to people. Sometimes they are very difficult to understand, Mm -hmm. even for very savvy and astute committee members, which I deal with a lot of larger buildings. I guess 50 lots and above is sort of my space where I work predominantly with a lot of my transitions. They tend to be the buildings that have part-time or full-time building managers and they're really invested in what goes on and they understand how much money's going through the building each year through their through their budget and their levies and and they don't just want to take the risk of taking a punt to to go to Google and find who rates as the best strata manager there. And I think we've identified that providing a really consultative process and helping the owners facilitate how to make that decision to to find the right strata manager. And um, I think that's what we've shown to be a really valuable tool and working in partnership with committee right through, seeking the early proposals for an expression of interest. We would then meet back with the committee. We'd probably meet with the committee probably four or five times at least during any transition process to basically go through the different steps that we follow and we'd then be shortlisting those proposals down to, say, two or three. We'd quite often start with seven or eight, sometimes even more. Mm-hmm. And the shortlisted candidates, we organise an interview with the committee so they can meet the potential candidates to face-to-face, usually the licensee and the proposed strata manager is in attendance. 
and I've developed a whole list of questions over the years to, to be able to quantify what it is that the committee is after and making sure that matches the needs of um, the requirements that the new strata manager can provide as well. So it's sort of a little bit like a matchmaking process, I guess. Mm. And there's no secret to it. There's, I mean, I've got it right. <laughs> um, a lot of times I've not had too many owners come back to me, committees come back to me a year or two later saying, look, you made the wrong decision here. We usually get a lot of really favourable reviews and, and really good references from our committees that we work with. Mm. And they've been really happy with the choice. And I think part of the reason being, I think, because they take that time and it's usually a couple of months if we do it properly to really go through. You've just answered my question. I was about to ask you how long you'd recommend that committee start planning to engage in this process? Two to three months out at least, but I think if you're really going to do it thoroughly and you really want to provide a really good tender candidature for for the other owners to consider in the committee, I think probably six months out. Yep. And, and of most of the committees that I've worked with, generally they've been strata owners who've been with the same strata company for a long time. So they've thought about changing oh, it's all a bit too hard and, you know, we don't know how to do it. And, you know, there's hundreds of strata managers out there. So how on earth are we going to know mm. who's the right strata manager for our block? Yep. Um, so, you know, we've refined some really good questionnaires and, and processes to really knock down the process and, and try to get it as, as accurate as we can. And we usually get to a process where we've got at least one or two candidates at the end that are really qualified strata managers, well-experienced and well-matched with the building mm-hmm. and they've had a chance to meet the committee and, you know, very rarely do they shy away because most of them are, are pretty keen to get their name out there, but we do the hard work of pre-qualifying prior to getting to that part of the process. And are you engaged and paid by the owner's corporation? It depends on whether we run an open or a closed tender. The, the way I prefer to do it is basically through a, an open tender process. I work in consultation with the committee. We can select managers that we've pre-recommended from our panel, but they can also open up the tender to the larger strata community if they like. And usually it's an amalgamation of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, the last couple I've worked on, the last one I did, it was a bit of both. The committee put forward a couple of recommendations. I put forward five they came back to me with two ticked off my list and said, look, the reason we don't want to use these people because we've talked to a few other strata committee people that we know and they've made their own decisions. So it could be a mix of both, but generally I prefer to do it on a fee-for-service basis. That way it just limits people basically making any allegations that we've swayed them either way. But if a committee doesn't have a budget for that, then we can do it on a closed tender basis from our panel, which is also proven to be quite successful and we would be seeking a fee from the successful strata managing agent for that. There's no secret to, you know, finding the right strata manager. I think what I found is that the value in the process is the time you spend with the committee and, and listening. And, and I don't know whether it's a little bit of a sixth sense or just experience that comes into four, but I usually walk out of that first meeting and I, I have a pretty good idea of some really good candidates will match with the personalities of the committee and the style of management. And obviously we've got to do the professional side, but and you know, all the due diligence and the EOI that we put together. But I think a lot of it is the experience I've had in the industry and, and knowing the good operators, and I don't have favorites. I'm, I think I share work, a lot of work around different parts of town. Mm. You know, you can't be friend to everyone. No, indeed. <laughs> no. 
Brendan, it's a tough process for some buildings. You've already mentioned that it can be three to six months when we're talking about transitioning from one strata manager to another. What would you say is the biggest challenge that you see your clients face when they're going through this process and how do you help them avoid that challenge or overcome it? I think if we're talking about the end of the process where they've made the decision and, and that they're planning to move on, I think one of the things is, is anything going to change? Are we going to lose our records? Are we going to get all our money transferred from one trust account to another? Are we going to lose our records, our history of our building? So I guess that's where we can come in and help allay the fears by obviously recommending really good qualified strata managers that have a trusted and tested past history of management and basically just reassuring them that, you know, the process isn't that scary. Making the decision and going through all the different types of strata managers is probably the hard part. But the handover and transition process generally tends to happen pretty smoothly and we tend to keep a really good communication process going between the incumbent strata manager and the new strata managers to make sure that all that process happens quite smoothly. Mm. A couple of ones I've done, the committee have asked me to engage one of my staff to just go in and transpose a copy of the key records just in case there may have been any ill feeling between the old strata managers just so they protect themselves. Yeah, I was going to say that in my experience that the trouble, if there's going to be any, happens with the old strata manager not handing over everything. So I suppose if committees are concerned about that process and worried that their former strata manager is going to conduct themselves in that way, then that's precisely the reason why you really need to get a new strata manager and get going on that because that shouldn't be a worry that you have to bear when you're engaging and paying a professional. I think I'd have to say most of the committees I've worked with by the time I'm engaged, because a lot of our work comes from referral, we do a little bit of advertising and things like that, but not a lot. It comes from referral, and I've even been referred by the current strata managers of the building who yeah. have come to them and said, we've had three or four last year we've done on that basis where the strata manager gives me a call and says, hey, listen, we're managing this building. The committee want to run a tender. We prefer they not go to the open market, and we've suggested your services as an independent, trusted professional, and that they'd be worthwhile having a chat to you. And and quite often I'll encourage them if the relationship isn't that bad and, and they've sort of a little bit on the on the edges whether they make the change or not, to include the current strata manager in the tender. Mm. And that's happened on a few cases. Quite often they're maybe pulled out towards the end if they sort of get closer to making that decision that it's not the right fit for them. Mm. But, you know, I'm certainly not against that occurring and we try to make it as an open and transparent process as possible yep. for the committee. Well, we have covered so much today, Brendan, and I think already we're running over time. Um, do let me know if there is something you wanted to cover that we haven't got to. We will make sure our listeners get to hear it and leave us with how to find out more about you, where our listeners should go to contact you. Yeah, sure, Amanda. Thank you again. And, um, yeah, our website is clevestrataconsulting.com.au. That's C-L-E-A-V-E-R. Yep, that's right. Leave it to Cleaver. And um, socials, Facebook and Instagram or our 1300 number, which is 1300-611-312. Excellent. Well, we've only scratched the surface of some, I think, really big issues that our strata industry faces and I've enjoyed chatting with you about them. I'm sure we can set up a time to dig deeper on those. Keep up the good work that you're doing, Brendan, and I will look forward to seeing you again sometime soon. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you for your time. 
Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today?